Good morning. I confess that I don't always remember this, but it did occur to me, or I remembered this morning as we were praying. Isn't prayer wonderful? We were just sat here and led by the mission team. There are places and people in this world that are now different. Isn't that fantastic? Through prayer. But that's not what I'm talking about this morning. Please turn to James chapter 4. And the message today complements and builds on the sermon we had last week, which was also taken from James chapter 4. But first, I'd like to share some good news with you that I'm hoping isn't at all related to James chapter 4, verse 1, which says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? The good news is that Viv and I have got a date to get married. You're all invited, although if you're listening to this on tape and you're a Korean church of 5,000 people, perhaps not. (laughs) On Saturday the 21st of September this year here at this church, and you'll all be very welcome to the service, Saturday the 21st. Thank you for your care and prayers. Now back to James 4 verse 1, what causes fights and quarrels among you? The answer is clear, Brexit. (laughs) except that it isn't of course and it would be a mistake to give any answer like that because James is not concerned here with arguments and differences between Christians and disagreements however strongly held those different views may be holding different views is normal in life and it's normal in the Christian life and in the life of churches and need not be unhealthy Indeed, if handled properly, differences can lead to growth and maturity. James is not concerned with disagreements among Christians, but disunity amongst Christians. Let's read chapter 4, verses 1 to 12. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend on what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. 
Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister judges them, or judges them, speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and one judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbour? James isn't concerned with disagreements, but disunity. Personal attacks by brothers and sisters in Christ on each other. Disorder, division, lies and slander in the family of God. This should not be and should be the concern of every Christian and every church in every age. Now there are some wonderful descriptions of God's people in the Bible. We're spoken of as the family of God or the bride of Christ which speaks of beauty and holiness. The church is often called the body of Christ. Just imagine that. The body of Christ. That's the body that walked on this earth 2,000 years ago. We are the body of Christ. So you and I are Christ's hands. Is that true? We are Christ's body. We are Christ's hands. We should have kind, generous, tender, healing hands, like the hands of Jesus. We are Christ's mind. His mind was bright and lively, imaginative and wise. We have the mind of Christ. We are to be lively and bright and imaginative. We are Christ's eyes, for we are his body, we are his eyes. Eyes which should sparkle with life and humour and compassion and sometimes tears. We are the body of Christ. His hands, his mind, his eyes, we are his heart. Should be full of courage and love. As God's people, we're also called salt and light. Those who make a difference, those that reveal Jesus Christ. The church is spoken of as a community of forgiven sinners, thankful worshippers. We are a people of healing and hope. What wonderful pictures of the body of Christ. But here in James, God's people are described as a bloody battlefield. What a contrast. What a shock. What a horror. And James means to shock us, for it is a shocking situation. The people of God quarrel and argue and fight and kill. It's a language of battle and war, a picture of injury, hurt, suffering and death. The people of God. Now, James' use of the word kill is likely to be a metaphor here, but it's no less serious. Remember the words of Jesus in the Sermon of the Mount, who said this. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. 
Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, or you're a fool, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Jesus takes such division and anger, malice and slander very seriously. It's like murder. Such behaviour is shocking. Why? Because the church is meant to represent God himself. The people of God, we are to reveal the nature of our Father God. Our Father, Son and Holy Spirit, a bloody battlefield? Are they at each other's throats? Do they lie to each other? Does the Father lie to the Son and the Son lie to the Father? Do they slander each other? Is God divided? How is the world to see the beauty of God, the unity, harmony and love of God if God's people are busy destroying one another? No wonder James is anger is seen in this passage, and I hope we share that anger over such things. When Christians behave like this, we're following the way and the wisdom of a rebellious world. James 3, verse 14. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. What a contrast to the way and the wisdom, not of the world, but of our God. Verses 17 and 18 of chapter 3. But the wisdom that comes down from heaven is first of all, pure, and then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Remember what James said in chapter 1, such wisdom is available to all who ask for it. Disagreements can be fine, wisely handled, they can lead to growth and maturity. But disunity amongst God's people is not okay. It is shocking, it is divisive, and worst of all, it dishonours God. God who is one, God who is love. Now, I thank God, as I'm sure you do, for the great measure of wisdom that we have in this church. We experience so much of God's way and we rejoice in that. But, my brothers and sisters, we always need to be careful and beware. The seeds of division and disunity lie in every church and they lie within your heart and within mine. The potential is there. Chapter 4, verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? That you is every Christian. The desires that are within us. 
It applies to each one of us. I think we just uh, spring. We're officially in spring now. I think we are. Yes. And many of us might begin visiting gardens, maybe Nymans and others. And they'll be beautiful with their daffodils and their magnolias. Uh, But they didn't get that way by chance, did they? Such beauty and harmony is the result of much planning, a lot of hard work, and daily maintenance, without which they would soon be overcome by weeds. Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 1 to 6. Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 6. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep and maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all and through all and in all. Such beauty and harmony is planned for, worked for, and maintained daily. Such vigilance and maintenance is vital for the seeds of envy and vanity and pride and selfish ambition lie within each one of us. And James speaks of those inner desires, those bad desires of being like an army that are keen to attack, to go on the rampage, to conquer, to wound and to kill. So let us beware complacency. We all know that pride comes before a fall. We dare not relax. Remember, every Christian has two natures that battle within us. They are at war. They both seek to rule us. And Paul speaks of uh, this internal conflict uh, in Romans chapter 7. Verse 21, you may recognize this in your own life. Romans 7, verse 21, this conflict within the Christian's life. He says, So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. The Bible speaks of the Christians having two natures. There's the old nature or earthly nature or sinful nature, which we've had from birth, and it rebels against God, God's way and God's wisdom. And given the chance, it would rule our lives and ruin our lives. Given the chance, it will lash out through us, damage, hurt, kill and slander others as well and divide. But the Bible speaks of another nature, the new nature, the spiritual nature, the gift of God given when we are born again. 
when we repent and believe in Jesus Christ. This new nature is born of the Holy Spirit of God. Holy Spirit of God. And it leads us in paths of righteousness. It heals our wounds, helps us to live like Christ, and helps us like Jesus, not to lash out at others, but to reach out with healing, hope, and love. Sadly and tragically, for some of James's readers, as for sometimes the church in the past and the church today all around the world, the sinful nature within us is allowed to arise and grow strong and reap havoc. It's allowed to dominate. And the fruit of our sinful nature leads to division among God's people and dishonours God's name. This is the way of a rebellious nature. It's the way of a rebellious world. And it's the way of Satan who rebels against God. These two warring factions are starkly contrasted for us in Colossians chapter 3. And I shall read about them. Colossians 3 verse 5 and then verse 12. These two natures put starkly in contrast that lie within us. Paul says in Colossians 3 verse 5, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive each other as you yourself have been forgiven. And if you have a grievance against someone, if you have a grievance against someone, indeed forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to be thankful. The old nature and the new nature battles within. James sees the problem in chapter 4, verse 1, fights and quarrels among God's people. He identifies the cause in verse 1. It's not what you can see on the surface, it's what lies within the heart. The desires that battle within us, our old sinful nature getting the upper hand. So the question is, what do you and I want to see triumph in our lives? In our relationships? In our church? The good news is that James, who sees the problem, the quarrels, 
identifies the cause, the conflict within, tells us the solution. In verses 6 to 8 of chapter 4. But God gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. We are to submit to God and resist the devil and we can do that by God's grace alone. Grace that God supplies. Now I'm going to tell you a little story. I'm not sure if it's true or not, but it's a story that's told of a man who lived um, with his two dogs, just himself and his two dogs, a couple of miles outside a small town in the wilderness in uh, Alaska. And every couple of weeks, this man would come into town with his two dogs. Unfortunately, the reason he came in was to get them to fight each other, and many of the people in the town would place their bets on these two dogs. Either this one would win the fight, or that one would win the fight. And sometimes one dog would win, sometimes the other dog would win. But the dog owner always won. He always knew which dog was going to get the upper hand and win. And when he was asked how come he knows which dog is going to win the fight, he says, it's easy. I feed one and I starve the other. The week before the fight, I starve one and it grows weak. And I feed the other and it grows strong and is victorious. If you and I want to grow strong in Christ, we must starve the old, earthly, sinful nature within us. If we want to grow strong, we must simultaneously feed the new spiritual nature within us. Starve one, feed the other. Just pause for a moment and think, what would that mean for you this week? How could you starve one? What would that mean you doing or not doing? How could you feed the new? What would that mean you doing? Have a think. I have here from my garage some weed killer rose clear uh, kills, yeah, kills all sorts of things and all purpose concentrate liquid plant food a killer and a feeder God's grace is both a weed killer and a plant feeder Titus 2, verse 11, says this. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. God's grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. God's grace 
is a sin killer and a spirit life grower. Let's not despair. God is on our side. God knows how weak and sinful we are, and he loves us. He is for us. He has chosen us to be like his son. He has chosen us to receive his wisdom and to grow in grace and fruitfulness and maturity. And God has abundant grace to help us. And I've got plenty of this weed killer and plant food in my garage. About four bottles of each. And that's because they are long forgotten and unused and got cobwebs all over them in the garage. And the result can be seen in my weedy garden. Available but unused. Brothers and sisters, let us not ignore the grace of God that he so generously provides for us. The grace we need to say no to sin and yes to righteousness. To be fruitful people, to be God's people, united in spirit, purpose and love. If we are to grow, know more of God's grace in our lives, then James tells us in verse 1 we need to recognise our sinful nature. Sometimes on TV, an atrocity uh, is reported, uh, like that, that man who killed those 40-plus Muslims in New Zealand recently. And someone will be interviewed and they'll say, they're not human, they're like an animal. Not true. They are human. Because that is what we humans are capable of. Not those humans. We don't make them animals as though they're a different species because we don't believe we are capable of that. They are not animals, they are humans. And we have within us the seeds of such sinfulness that if allowed to grow and grow strong, can do such things. We Christians should know above all what we are capable of. We crucified the Son of God. We must recognize our sinful nature. But we must also repent of our sin. Verses 8 to 9, he tells us in all sorts of language, repent, humble yourselves. We must confess our sins individually, but as a church as well. From time to time, we need to come recognizing we fail and repenting of our sins. And then we need to submit to God and resist the devil by the grace of God. So we need to take hold of God's grace and he has given us that grace in all sorts of ways and in all sorts of places. If you're running a marathon, you will never get to the end if you ignore the food and the water that is placed along the side for you to pause and receive the strength that you need. And we cannot run the race well without the grace of God and coming to those places where God has put his grace to feed us and strengthen us. We have gathered around one such lovely oasis this morning, the word of God. The Bible tells us that it can, it's God's grace to strengthen us. Peter tells us it's like milk to, to help us to grow as Christians. So we need to come to the word of God regularly or we will faint and fall. We've also come here for fellowship. That is another means of grace. Fellowship isn't just meeting with other Christians, it's 
being Christians together. It's not just a good morning, though that can be part of it. It's sharing Christ together in our hearts, our conversations, our hopes, our fears, our dreams. Through prayer, seeking God's forgiveness, his wisdom, his power, his help. Through Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper. Don't let it just happen to you. Oh, it's communion. That's nice. Come by faith, and God promises to feed us by grace through the bread and the wine. These are some of the little stations that God has placed along our way to receive the grace that we need to live his way. Now, if you fear that you have neglected God's grace of late, I guess we all do sometimes, and that we are very spiritually weak, let me just give a quick word of realism here. You can't turn into a victorious spiritual giant overnight any more than after your guilt over Christmas nor the Christmas pud. The adverts for the gym equipment, you go out and buy it, and then a week later, you sell it. <laughs> You've given up because it's not that easy and not that quick. If our diet has been largely KFC, an exercise a little more than picking up our knife and fork, one meal of lettuce and avocado followed by a 10-minute walk is not going to transform our lives. But it's a start. If you want to buy second-hand gym equipment, the best time is in February. There's lots of it about. You can guess why. Fruit does not grow overnight. Ask God to be your fitness coach, your life coach, and he will pace you aright one step at a time. Seek his wisdom, his patience, his perseverance, and enabling grace. Begin with a few simple steps. What could you do this week that would be a few simple steps in the right direction? <coughs> then, as we grow in grace, one step at a time, our lives, our relationships, we become less and less a, a bloody battlefield and more and more like a summer meadow, fragrant with Christ. Or a lovely autumn orchard, laden with the fruit of the Spirit to the glory of God. Let's end by listening to God's gracious and grace-giving word. Um, which one shall I choose? James 3, verse 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure and peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Amen.